Thank you, and welcome back to the Unfiltered Podcast, where all things can be voiced. It's your host, Joseph. Adriana. Blue here. Today, we are joined by one of the creators of the Guidance Approach to Parenting, a program that applies conflict, conflict resolution skills to communicate more effectively with children. She focuses on collaborative problem solving and meeting adolescents' needs. The conscious parenting approach guides parents to eliminate the three R's, retaliation, rebellion, and resistance. From parenting, improving relationships with adolescents, conscious parenting teaches both parents and children how to communicate in a compassionate, fair, and effective way, treating others with dignity and kindness. For over 20 years, she has taught and coached thousands of parents, educators, social workers, business professionals, and medical professionals in half a dozen countries through her popular workshops and coaching programs. She has spoken three times on TEDx and is the author of seven strategies to keep your relationship with your kids from hitting the boiling point as well as her workbook, A Guidance Approach to Parenting. She has been featured on local television shows across the U.S. and a guest on over 40 podcasts. In addition, she is also a trained mediator. She is certified in different trauma models and teaches a breathing mediation meditation modality with the Art of Living Foundation. She ran her own commodities, training businesses in Hong Kong for 30 years and is on the board of directors for the International Association for Human Values, IAHV, which has held special consultative status with the United Nations Economic and Social Council since 2002 and contributes to the 17 Strategic Development Goals of the UN. Please welcome Catherine, Catherine Winter Celery. Welcome, welcome. Hi, thank you so much. That was a that was a mouthful, Joseph. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> wow. No, good for you. <laughs> So some of the listeners, when I told them you were going to be a guest, they got some questions they wanted to know. And we had some questions of our own. One of the main ones is, what inspired you to become who you are today? And does it have to do with anything from your past? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, yes, I think that, you know, I often say that we teach what we need to learn. And so um, parenting my own kids certainly brought me to the table of understanding the um, environment that I was raised in, which was, I like to say a loving environment, but definitely unconscious parenting. And too many of the things that I found that I got to grapple with for many decades after I was um, through adolescence and young adulthood and onward had to do with the effects of unconscious parenting in my own upbringing. And so I knew that uh, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be an unconscious parent. I wanted to understand the hidden um, the hidden things that are communicated when we communicate in ways that are dysfunctional. Hmm. Yeah. I think, I think that brings another question. How many, um, kids do you have? I have two. I have a son and a daughter. My son is 28 going on 29 and I have a daughter who is 23. Oh, yeah. Um, the second question that brings, were there any setbacks to where you are now and how did you stay motivated when it happened? Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, if you want to talk about setbacks in building the conscious parenting revolution or setbacks in my own parenting approach. Your own parenting approach, I would say. (laughs) Yeah, yes, absolutely. I can um, 
say that there is no way that a parent can go through the parenting journey, no matter who you are, and not make mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what would be some of the best advice you could give listeners on how to be, I would say, maybe a conscious parent? Mm-hmm. And your professional opinion? Sure. So I think a lot of parents um, get triggered by their kids when their kids don't do as they're told, or they get triggered if their kids talk back to them, or they get triggered if they're not cooperative and aren't doing the chores or picking up or just kind of making life easy for mom and dad. So my advice would be that um, we can reframe how we look at the behaviors that we're seeing that we are having trouble with. And rather than frame them in, you know, good girl, bad girl, good boy, bad boy, look at everything as, is this situation that I'm having difficulty with, is it following, is it falling into either retaliation, rebellion, or resistance? Is the behavior one of those three? And often it is, 75% of the time, the behaviors that we're struggling with are retaliation, rebellion, and resistance. Mm. If it is one of those three, then we know we as the parent are responsible for this crop that we're reaping. And the reason we know is all the research that was done by Thomas Gordon and Dr. Porter and various others who have been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. And we recognize that when we use power over and demand language, we activate retaliation, rebellion, and resistance. So if you're going through one of those three, then the good news is you created it. And the good news is you can change it by changing your approach to problem solving and conflict resolution. If you're using judgment when you talk to your kids, you're going to be activating defensiveness. Are you using non-blameful descriptions of behavior? Or are you using blameful descriptions of behavior? Are you falling into this trap of what we call the roadblocks to communication, which causes distance and breakdown? There's so many ways in which we communicate that is ineffective in reaching the outcomes that we want to. Mm -hmm. And most of it is just simply learning the skills to communicate and problem solve more effectively, as well as raising our consciousness around the negative view of children and how we view the behaviors that we are wanting to see changed rather than viewing them a lot of times as developmentally normal. We view them as pushing the boundaries, how to get the manipulative, misbehaving, they've got to learn. And then we go into mm-hmm. using power, rewards, punishments, threats, and that whole land of power, rewards, punishments, threats to get people to change their behavior. It's a flawed approach. It activates the three R's. And it also doesn't allow for someone other than you to have a voice or contribute their feelings and their needs to the conversation because mm-hmm. there's this old belief that children are going to do as they're told. So there's a lot to overcome in parenting by simply looking at what are my irrational and conscious beliefs about children and their behavior? How do I describe what I'm seeing to myself? And if I describe it as you make me feel so mad or you make me feel so upset, mm-hmm. then I feel justified in punishing you for having made me feel that way when in fact, nobody can be responsible for your feelings other than you. Right. When you blame other people for how you feel, you teach your children that they're not accountable for their own feelings. And you also yeah. you're not either. Right. Um, so earlier you said that um, 70% of it was the three R's, right? If I'm correct. So what would be outside of that 70%? What's other than the 75%? Right. Yeah. We peel an onion. 
So when people are complaining about the behaviors, the first place that we always look is, is it one of the three R's? Because 75% or three out of four problems are. If that's not it, then we peel the onion, we go to the next layer of the onion to see if this is the explanation, because more, more often than not, it will be. And you look to see if there are any stressors in the environment. The stressors in the environment that can trigger children's falling apart behaviors, or what I call the tragic expression of their unmet needs, those are the behaviors that are socially unacceptable, hard to be around, and we would like to see them change. Okay. What do you um, bring that on? Abject poverty, divorce in the family, a bully at school, a teacher who's unkind, a bus driver who's um, unkind. I mean, it can be any number of different situations that are going on in the environment that are underpinning the behavior and the child doesn't know how to manage the situation or their own feelings. And so they fall apart. Right. They act in ways that we wish they wouldn't. But right. uh, not because they have the skills, it's because they don't have the skills to regulate their emotions or to be able to reconcile themselves with this other situation. Often, if it's another adult in their world who has power over them through virtue of being a teacher or pretty much anyone who is simply older will have, by distinction of being older, some kind of power over the child. And there's a psychological differential that exists that's almost impossible for them to overcome. Okay. Um... So would you say, should parents be more free range with their children or would you agree on saying that there's a fine line in between? Well, what I have written is what's called the guidance approach, which is neither a power over nor permissive. And most yeah. people have it in their mind. If I'm not using power and control, then I'm just letting them walk all over me and I'm a doormat. And that's yeah. a paradigm that I, I actually puncture the paradigm and say, well, neither one is effective. <laughs> it's incredibly ineffective to be permissive and right. it's incredibly ineffective to be power over and controlling, but it's also necessary to be interacting with each and every one of these situations in ways that are effective to bring about skill acquisition, to bring about diffusing of emotion and high emotion, to bring about the ability for the child to begin to have the skills for self-started behavioral change, which is incredibly different from change that happens as a result of being afraid of what's going to happen if you don't change. <laughs> okay. So you kind of answered my other question on what style you thought would be more efficient. Um, would you say that it's okay for children to be expressive of themselves? I think that it's, I, I don't think it's about, is it okay to be expressive? It's about when people are expressing something, are they merged with their emotions? Have they lost sight of the fact that they're bigger than what's bugging them? Are they identified with their feelings as if that's who they are? I mean, they're just beginning to, you know, even open up this idea that I have feelings, I'm not my feelings. I make a mess, I'm not a mess. So it has a lot to do with human consciousness and identification. So if I'm expressing myself in ways that are getting in the way of other people meeting their needs, then other people may want to talk to me about my behavior, not from the place of, good, bad, right, wrong, but when you are behaving in that way, it's impossible for me to also meet my needs. And both our needs are important. So how can we go through life being considerate of not only my own voice, but your ability to express yours? Mm -hmm. Right, which is definitely a very difficult thing to manage. I don't know. I think it requires skill. And definitely. with skills, you definitely can navigate the road. Without it, it's impossible. Right. Yeah. So most people in my experience just have no skills at this and they're not bad. They just need more skills.
<laughs> right, that is very true. It's very noticeable today, too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's noticeable to all of us. I mean, I thought it was really interesting when I was, you know, throwing my, um, my hat in the ring for TED and TED Talks. Those decisions are made by people who are usually around 22 years old in universities. And I thought it was so interesting that someone who's a parenting expert would be chosen over and over again by university students until you realize everybody's trying to figure out what happened to them. Like, why do I have these hard feelings about this in, in my childhood? Or why do I find it difficult to open up to my mom or dad? You know, what about it on the road and on the path to adulthood happened? Because there's a big shadow that's cast from childhood into our, our adult years. And those are the things that a lot of people spend the rest of their lives dealing with. That is very true. Yeah. I'll have to read more. I'm going to have to order your books and read them because that is going to be very helpful <laughs> when I have my kids because yes. I'm planning on having eight kids. Oh, so. Yeah. Well, then I think you'll probably need to join my program. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but freeparentingbook.com is actually where you need to go. And if you just write that into your browser, freeparentingbook.com, you'll go to my Amazon bestseller and you can just download it for free. Oh, right. Cool. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Love to have you, you know, take a look and just figure out some of the ways in which you might want to do things differently than you were raised. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. But you guys are all young. Do any of you have kids? Um, I do. Does. I do. How's that five. going for you? How's that going? <laughs> oh, it's, it's a road. <laughs> it's not yeah. the greatest and most uh, I want to say most non-dirtish roads, but it's definitely a road and I enjoy it no matter what. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah. And I enjoy, I enjoy what he brings to wow. the table because he, he's a very smart kid and you really don't understand how smart kids are until you have one of your own. Yeah. And like he finds ways around everything we say. And I think it's so funny to see how his mind grows like that because like I'll tell that he just got in trouble and got his xbox taken away in his place and his tv taken away and he couldn't watch or play games he found his phone he hadn't played with that in years I, since i got it for him it was an old one so it only plays like youtube and stuff so he's like i found it mommy and daddy didn't say i couldn't have it so and i was <laughs> like well you are right he did say that so i can't really tell you no so go ahead you <laughs> and then he told him when he got home he was like daddy i found it and i watched it and then he laughed too and he was like well you did find a way around it you did a good job but <laughs> that's so funny yeah people are driven to meet their needs whether it's the needs for mm -hmm. entertainment or fun or absolutely yeah and yeah. people find any means of entertainment and it does not matter what it is <laughs> so yeah so i mean something you might want to think about is just the idea of does my child find self-control or do they require me to control them in order to find the balance around screen time for example and how much is okay or any other behavior because the problem that i feel with using rewards and punishments is that it's continually putting someone else in control of my behavior rather than helping me to find self-control of my behavior. Right. Okay. Right. So I might have to use your, I might have to be ordering your books too. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wasn't here for what you were So yeah, because here's the deal. But. We want self-started behavioral change. We want people to change their behavior, not because of what's going to happen to them. Right. But okay. because of the fact that I actually, oh, wow. You know, mom's probably right. Like, Maybe five hours a day on YouTube or five hours a day on a screen isn't the, you know, the right amount. I need to find some self-control. 
And so then we work together with this human being of whatever age, three, four, five to, you know, 18, and we help them tune into finding a balance that they themselves, whether they're in your presence or not, are able to sense, you know, I feel like I've just been on, I've been on my devices long enough. It's time for me to pivot. And they make a choice on their own because they found within themselves that sense of something. And if you don't create an atmosphere for internal locus of causality, and you continue to rely on external locus of control, then you never chain the child's mind to choose it. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. We want them to choose it, and we want them to choose it whether I'm there or not to make them. Yeah. It's a whole different game. Power, control, rewards, and punishments generates an external locus of causality, which means I always look outside of me to see if somebody else is approving or disapproving. And we don't want the world to have more people who lost their sense of self. Yeah. We do not want that, that's for sure. We want I like the way you put that, though, because I want that yes. for my children, where they have... A sense of self. Yeah. Yes. Great, because, you know, I've got a million books on, I know I'm in here somewhere, but I don't know who I am. Because all of these people have grown up in family situations where it's never about them finding it within themselves. It's about learning to be obedient and compliant to the person who has the power over them. Right. 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 And the problem with teaching obedience and compliance is that you no longer recognize who has my best interest in mind to whom I should be obedient and compliant and who doesn't have my best interest in mind. And I've lost touch with the fact that I should protest. Right. Um. If you would, Catherine, where could listeners, because I'm pretty sure a lot of the listeners have like kids, because I know some of the people who listen, um, where could they find more information about you? If you want to go to ConsciousParentingRevolution.com, then you'll see my website and you'll have all my links to my YouTube channel and to all of my social media channels. You also can join my free parenting book, or sorry, my free parenting Facebook group which is a private group that I stream into with the pediatrician that I work with um, once a week. And we usually tee off of, on Monday nights, I have my 90 day parenting reset parents that are in my program and we have a group coaching call. And the next day we do our Tuesday tips for parents and it usually draws from a lot of what we've been discussing on our Monday night um, group training calls. So everything from the most recent one was um, around, you know, kids with ADHD. And how do we help them and any of the neurodiverse feel like there's nothing wrong with you? Like a lot of kids begin to feel like what's wrong with me. Well, there's nothing wrong with you other than, you know, you've got this Ferrari brain that runs at 10 million miles an hour and we're trying to squeeze it into this box that we call, you know, traditional education. And, um, and you get in trouble a lot of the times when we squeeze that Ferrari brain into that little box and that can make kids begin to feel like, you know, what's wrong with me? So we need to support children with their self-esteem and we need to support them to feel okay about themselves. Yeah. Um, I'd had a listener ask this on our Discord. So her social links will be on our Discord as well, guys. Um, but he was wanting to know how can he come to his parents about things because he feels like he's not being heard without being I am so glad to hear that. Beautiful. Whoever you are, thank you for you know making that comment. Because I do find that a lot of my... A lot of my people are really the kids 
who are trying to be able to have a voice without being called disrespectful, mm-hmm. who are trying to stand up for their feelings and needs and be heard in a way in which they're taken into consideration. And they're surrounded by adults who look at them as, if you're not obedient and compliant, you're disrespectful. Yeah. So if that happens to your family, whoever this listener is, um, I would say that unfortunately you're going to be the one who's really the adult who's able to be saying to them, I get the impression, mom, dad, that if I don't just say and do exactly what you want me to do, that your only way of looking at me is I'm disrespectful instead of looking at me as having my own perspective, which may not be the same as yours, but it is mine. And I would like for us to be able to share our viewpoint without either one of us looking at the other as something is wrong with them. Yeah. Right, which is a a big issue even like just throughout history. Oh, it's huge, Joseph. It's huge. If you look at the travesty of children, I mean, I personally consider myself a child advocate because children are people too. 100%. They're not adults, but they are people. And if you've got yes. a child of any age up, you know, from literally a little tiny kid all the way through agency, at every stage, they may develop, be developmentally wherever they are, right? So, you know, at six years old, you don't expect them developmentally to be the same and have the same capabilities to regulate their emotions as a 15-year-old. Or right, but it's expected. Or a 40-year-old. But you do need to look at them in ways in which you acknowledge that they are human beings. Right. That they do have feelings, that they do have needs, and that their feelings and needs also get to be acknowledged. They get to be brought into the conversation so that we begin to look at everyone as needful and all of the behaviors are a reflection of people, human beings, regardless of age, trying to meet their needs. And the less capable they are of doing that, and the less they are in an environment that honors that, the more tragic the expression of their unmet needs to be seen, heard, and acknowledged from their perspective, the more tragic that appears. And then the travesty is, when we see those tragic expressions of the unmet needs, we then punish them rather than embrace them. Right. They need to be embraced because what they're really screaming for is to be seen, heard, and understood from their perspective, not to be punished for the desire to want to be seen, heard, and understood. Right, that was actually amazingly put. Yeah. Yeah, I think my nephew will learn from this because he's having a hard time communicating with his parents. And though I give him some wisdom, doesn't mean he will listen. So he listens to the podcast, so I will definitely recommend him. Yeah, and, you know, um, I'll send afterwards my private Facebook group. He's more than welcome to join. And if he wants to join that and pop in with, you know, his issues and questions, I'm more than happy, you know, when I'm on on Tuesdays to support him as he as he looks to have his voice seen, heard, and understood in a world it sounds like that judges him for even wanting to. Yeah, that's exactly his situation right now. Poor boy. I mean, I just, my heart goes out to him because his desire for individuation and separation is actually right on schedule. However, we live in a world in which children are not actually encouraged to individuate and separate. They're supposed to stay connected, bound by, in service yeah. to other people's voices being seen, heard, acknowledged, and understood. It's as if I, the child, am here simply to mirror you, the adult, and constantly reflect back what you think is right. Yeah. Right. That's great. Any adult relationship, we would never think of that as healthy. 
Not at all. Which is, it's interesting why we think it's so different because it's a child. Because children are not people too. Because historically, children are never looked upon as really being people. There's a lot of you know history around this. You think about um, in England and all of these kids that are packed away to boarding school at like still, by the way, at four, five, six years old. Mm-hmm. It's insane, but it really is this idea that we're just going to send you over there for you to learn how to behave. And when you figure that out, which essentially means you're emotionally shut down. Then we'll send you back home. <laughs> right. It's very unfortunate. Yeah, that's not the way to go. It's not. I have adult clients who who don't know how to feel because feeling was actually not acceptable. You're not supposed to have feelings. You're just supposed to do as you're told. You're supposed to be obedient and compliant. And you're always supposed to have the happy face on because somehow any feelings, emotions, or something other than that trigger the adults. And they're in the and they're in the mindset that if I'm triggered, you caused it. So I need to manipulate you, control you, so that I don't get triggered to deal with my own stuff. Right. And later down the road, later down the road, they'll be in therapy. Everybody, everybody that hasn't had the benefit of conscious parenting, which is pretty much everybody, they already are in therapy. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So we don't want to have to put that burden on our children. So definitely show up differently. Right. Right. Well, thank you again, Catherine, for joining us this episode. So fun. I was so happy to be here. Thank you for the invitation. And I appreciate you answering our listeners question. And then I will send out the link um, to that group. People can jump in there and just be supported. Um, Yeah. Freeparentingbook.com so that they can get the book. And I have a ton of blogs. I mean, literally, I have a huge vault of content that I share regularly with my audiences to help them from everything, of, you know, down to how do I help my kids regulate their emotions, which God knows they need to learn how to do. To how do I regulate my own, you know, which we need to learn to do too. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Great. Um, before we end, I have just another sponsor. Before we end, if you or anyone you know has a serious mental illness, please reach out. I'm going to recommend a top therapist provider. They have been recommended by Vogue, Forbes Health, Insider, Everyday Health, Very Well Mind, and Healthline. They give highly experienced therapists with a wide range of issues. Um, Any topic you could think of, they'll talk with you about it. They give to you an unaffordable budget with only $50 a week. And with our code TUIP, you can get an exclusive 40% off. So check them out. Calmery, they're pretty good. And again, please give a special welcome, um, special thanks to Catherine for joining us and her wisdom that I'll definitely be using for my own children. Absolutely. (laughs) Open my my eyes a little bit more. You really did. Like, I being a product of strict parenting. I want him to have the best mindset when he gets older, especially whenever it comes to ladies and how he deals with his health and communication with other people. Absolutely. Yeah, everybody does. And I think that all parents are always coming from their heart and they're wanting this. However, sometimes the the way that they're going about creating that in their ecosystems at home are actually not going to reach that outcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So they end up rewards and punishments and they end up generating an external locus of causality and kids who are always looking around for other people to approve of them or for other people to tell them what to do because they never learned how to regulate their own sense of hmm, this is enough yeah rock 
I have more questions, but um, we don't have enough time. But I definitely have to get you again as a guest because that brings into so many things. Because we had an episode about uh, nature versus nurture, and I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Totally. Yeah. Self-esteem, motivation, I mean, self-concept, all of these things, they're all interrelated and they all are really grounded in our, our home ecosystems, the ones we create in our own family and the ones that our kids' schools are creating for them. So both are huge, huge influences on a mind of a child. Okay, thank you. And All I will right. be signing out. So lovely to be here. Awesome. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Bye. It was great having you. Have an amazing day. Bye, guys. Bye. Yep. Yeah. Bye.